0: Welcome to Gateway Geek, a podcast for those wondering what this geek thing is all about. I'm your moderator, Jess Aducci. This week on Gateway Geek, we flip through a few pages and talk all about geeky books. Today, we're with Jennifer Bell of uh, the Peg podcast and author of A Warrior's Legacy book series.
1: Hi, everyone.
0: And we're also with Jason Salee, avid book nerd and a friend of 30-something Digital. Hi,
2: everybody. How are you doing?
0: So glad to have you guys here. We're back with another topic that like movies and TV uh, and video games is going to be practically impossible to even touch the surface of in an hour. As one of our guests, uh, Tony, uh, frequent guest, Tony, uh, said on a previous podcast, if you go into any sci-fi fantasy section of a bookstore, you're likely to drown. So amazing guests, you're here to guide the way for our newbies, hitting up the tropes, the hot properties, uh, the lesser known cult hits, and hopefully providing that gateway for wannabe geeks that are readers, but maybe never got into sci-fi fantasy in particular for whatever reason. In that vein, keep in mind we have a bunch of geek-interested newbies listening, uh, people we're trying to introduce to geekdom. So obviously books aren't exclusive to geekdom. What would you guys say qualifies a book? Um, we're talking traditional novels, novellas, short story collections, not really graphic novels or comics. Um, what would qualify them as geek to you guys?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that comes to mind is obviously sci fi, fantasy, and all the sub genres therein. Those are typically referred to as more, you know, geek or nerdy books. Okay.
2: Um, I think for something to be qualifies as a geek, you know, you have the. The obvious choices, the Star Trek novels, the Star Wars novels, those kinds of things as far as science fiction goes and then your fantasy. You've got your Tolkien and your your um, like Lord of the Rings inspired novels. But I think for something to really be geek, it has to be able to kind of engulf you in a way that, that draws you into it and pulls you into it. You, it, you, it, hmm. it it's something that makes you excited to read and to and to be involved in and then makes you want to get your friends involved. And I think that really, that's what has always defined it for me as something that's, that's a geek book or a geek novel.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, we've talked about on uh, other podcasts about world building in particular. So is that the aspect maybe that you're talking about or is it characters or is it?
2: I think it can be any combination of that. Um, for me personally, um, especially the like real epic, the the large epics that, that we tend to approach, those can be really daunting to pick up, and mm. and can be very um, can be very intimidating, especially to somebody who's just kind of starting to dip their toe in that kind of literature. Um, I think mm-hmm. part of what, at least for me, makes my favorite series are the books that that wrap me up in them and pull me into the world before I even realize that they're building a world. So, mm.
0: it's something that I haven't even really touched on uh in other podcasts yet is the horror genre of things like we've we're always talking about sci-fi fantasy but I, i'm apparently not friends with many horror people because none <laughs> of us have mentioned that as a genre for any of this so but when it comes to books i happen to be a stephen king fan so i go to horror a little bit so is that something that you guys would throw in there uh as well as kind of the horror
1: genre yeah i think so yeah, I think yeah. that tends to be it tends to draw. I mean, if you go to a con and like I just went to a con this past weekend and the authors I walked past, uh who were there were either sci-fi, fantasy or horror. Probably mm-hmm. more horror, a lot more horror than sci-fi.
2: I think it also kind of depends. I tend to lump some of the some of the um like more supernaturally themed horror books into this sort of sci-fi mm-hmm. fantasy realm in and of itself.
0: That's true. I yeah, that may be why I don't I don't usually think of straight up horror. I, I think of – I, I love that in the fantasy category. Mm. That's true um, a, a lot of times.
1: I wanted to get back to something Jason said, like just thinking about uh, – I thought your definition was really good of like just a, a geek book being something that you're completely drawn into and that you want to draw others into too. It's almost like we we can make a book geeky because <laughs> like, I think a, a definition of geek that I've heard on this show is just someone who gets really passionate and really into something like more so than – Uh, than what, you know, you might consider quote unquote normal. And so I think that sometimes we can geekify books, if you will, if we (laughs) get really into the nitty gritty. I mean, if there's fan fiction about something, then (laughs) that Mm. probably means that it's a geek. (laughs) That That is a very good point.
0: Fan fiction. Oh, yeah. So explain fan fiction real quick, because that may be something that's unfamiliar in other circles.
1: Sure. So fan fiction is uh, when a writer uh, takes the world and the characters of an already published or already existing work and uh, writes stories of their own. And sometimes it'll be an untouched part of the world, like a minor character or a past or future event. Or sometimes it'll go completely off the rails and do like um, alternate plot lines or alternate romances. That's a big one and <laughs> that sort of thing.
0: Okay. So aside from genre and possible world building, because I think that's very fertile ground for what you guys are talking about, the world building is because if you build a really great world, not only are you drawn in by it, like Jason was talking about, but it's much easier to write that fan fiction. It's much easier to, you know, it lots of things to play with that way. So, but as far as the elements of story go. Um, Are there any particular like geek fiction tropes you guys can think of? Like kind of particular stories uh, that I think Nick often refers to like sword and sorcery or, you know, knight saving the damsel or, you know, just stuff like that. Uh, You know, geek tropes.
2: I think one of the, one of the most standard geek tropes, given all the, all the, the literature that I've read tends to be the, the underdog arising to be the savior. Like that. Good. That's a very common. Um, I don't want to use a religious metaphor, but like coming from from nothing to be the, become the great white knight or the great savior of whatever world or fiction that you tend to be in, um, sure. and that that seems to be a common thread through almost all. Oh, yeah, I don't want to be cited as an expert, but they're almost all, I think, uh, especially fantasy, the realm of fantasy, mm. not so much science fiction, but fantasy. Definitely.
1: Yeah. And, uh, uh, similar to that as the hero's journey, Joseph Conrad's whole, uh, exactly what Jason just said, like the underdog or the unknown who finds out he's a the chosen one or what have you and sacrifices everything that's definitely a fantasy thing i'm not as familiar with sci-fi but i imagine Mm. it could you know follow some of the same stuff but just with aliens and technology thrown in there
0: (laughs) (laughs) i I feel like with sci-fi uh something that was mentioned i think on the tv episode uh, matt was talking about the idea that sci-fi covers a lot of philosophy so it's not necessarily story tropes as much or at least I don't I don't think of it like that. I tend to tend to think a lot of sci-fi the trope for sci-fi is just an exploration of philosophical concepts because it is exploring usually futuristic
1: mm. you know
0: what might happen if this technology developed or this technology developed or whatever what happened if we would find ourselves here in the future a lot of it has to do with how we react what our society would look like you know all that kind of stuff. So
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And you get Elements of westerns, like the Ah. the Wild West, like the Great New Frontier. You know, to borrow you know some Star Trek lingo, and yeah, I don't want to. I keep wanting to bring up Firefly uh, (laughs) because, but (laughs) this is the book episode, so I won't do it. So
0: (laughs) Firefly comes up on every every episode in some form or fashion. (laughs) so.
1: So.
2: Well, I think a slight nuance between fantasy and science fiction that I've noticed is that science fiction tends to to focus on us grappling with the possibility within ourselves versus mm-hmm. fantasy tends to grapple with our influence on the external. So, mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that when we're dealing with the greater themes presented in science fiction, we tend to – if you really analyze it, it tends to focus back into like – our own wrestling with our own humanity and how do we deal with situations that, you know, Put us in conflict with our what we prefer our character, or our moral fiber to be. Um, how do we express that to the exterior world? And fantasy seems to focus on more the possibility that we have to make the impact. You know, the destiny does not mm-hmm. that your your destiny is not preordained. That you have the ability to impact, and, it, and it's really driving from a point where a character is already determined that they have the drive and the ability to make an impact. Now, how are they going to make that impact? You don't see mm-hmm. as much of the the internal dilemma and and, and moralizing that occurs. I think. In sci-fi, especially,
0: mm-hmm. or like you guys said, they're just—they're told they're chosen. So, like you said, you know, they're—they're they're just given that role, and any internal um, sorting out of that role is just, am I really that person? Can I really do that? It's not sorting out the kind of person. So, yeah, yeah, I could see that. Going back to the—the the horror aspect again. I know we said that we could, a lot of it can be lumped under fantasy, but are there—is there anything unique to? Uh, stuff that would you'd find in the horror section of a bookstore aside from the scary part because that's kind of a no duh but any any tropes that kind of belong to that genre as well
1: i've never read a horror book in my life so i can't help you
2: (laughs) (laughs) um to be honest the most the only real horror series that i ever geeked out about was um anne rice's early years before she found jesus (laughs) those the 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 interview with the vampire stories and then everything that she built on after that, Mm -hmm. she was one of the first authors. I remember the focusing on that really, dealt with the antihero, um, Lestat being an excellent example of that. He, mm-hmm. he was this monster, but if you, if you've ever read the series of books through, he spends most of his time focusing on how he's really not actually the bad guy. Um, yeah. and I know that the, the Rice novels, they technically qualify as horror, but they're also a weird blend of romance and, and, and fantasy involved in that world as well. But, Definitely. um, I, I just remember specifically dealing with the antihero and, um, at I think my, I think most people who read those books anymore are usually in their preteen years, and there's something very appealing about the nature of those books overall. So,
0: I I I recently just rebought them, Jason. By the way, to reread. <laughs>
2: I kept all of my copies. I still read them occasionally.
0: So. <laughs> Yeah, the only other thing that kind of comes to mind again because I'm a Stephen King fan and I haven't actually read it is The Dark Tower series, which I know would fall solidly within the within fantasy, but actually that applies to the trope you just mentioned, anti-hero and all of that, and a lot of King's work kind of falls in that category. So,
2: well, had I known we were going to talk about horror, I actually have that book sitting on my to read list. (laughs) The first one. Yeah. So nice. My bad. I didn't prepare well.
0: Why didn't you read the entire dark tower series? Because it's only, (laughs) you know, a billion books and a billion pages. Right.
1: (laughs) I do have another genre potentially. Um, sometimes I see like historical fiction or like alternative, alternative history fall under the Mm. geek umbrella. Um, like uh, steampunk is a really great example. That's like a really fast growing genre and steampunk is from my understanding, I haven't read a lot of it, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, it's kind of harkens back to the Victorian era and is a giant, what if steam were the, the power of choice rather than coal or, you know, what have you, whatever, or electricity or what we use now. Mm -hmm. And that's become a huge, like its own thing Mm -hmm. in recent years, especially.
0: Yeah. We talked about, steampunk in the very first episode and i was i was told that steampunk is a completely valid and and good umbrella term for everything but i really personally like alternative history because there's so much (laughs) um outside of particularly steampunk there i mean if you if you look up steampunk and it starts talking about alternative history and whatever i mean it goes into diesel punk anything with punk really there's (laughs) i think it started with cyberpunk to be honest that that you know cyberpunk was the the future sci-fi version and then you know you go back to steampunk now but but yeah alternative history absolutely that's a great genre that i honestly i feel i feel like it's new i could be wrong uh as far as how much is out there but i cuz i haven't really heard a lot about the books or any really popular series or anything so if you guys think of anything or if you know of anything do tell but um i haven't really i haven't heard of a lot in that genre. And I'd be very interested.
2: The only one that I've encountered recently um, that would fit in there was a, a spinoff um, from Cassandra Clare's um, The Mortal Instruments. She did a uh, three-part, three-part trilogy, I believe, that, that set prior to The Mortal Instruments that's called The Clockwork Angel. Uh, that's hmm. actually the first book in the Infernal Devices series. And that's, uh, that's kind of a steampunk, alternate history, fantasy novel. And <laughs> unfortunately for Cassandra Clare, the uh, the movie I think might have turned a lot of people mm. off of what actually ends up being a really fascinating and complex young adult series, um, fantasy young adult series. I remember reading it, picked it up just on a whim through an airport and uh, – being amazed at some of the uh, the topics that they cover, and it gets really dark for a young adult series. I mean, mm-hmm. right, really dark. And so I ended up picking up the the uh, Infernal Devices series afterwards, just 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 to keep following up in the world because it was actually really well built. So, but that leads me to a whole other topic, which is the ruination of good source material by Hollywood. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't even have that down as a question, but that's a very that's a a very interesting topic because you were completely right. Um, that was something I saw the trailer for that and was incredibly interested in the story and everything. And then, of course, when it came out, I still haven't seen it because reviews and getting to see more clips and everything else. And you're just like, oh. yeah, don't
2: don't see the movie. Um, there was a series released on Freeform, I think, that pretty closely follows it. The at least the first novel. Um, we'll see if it gets picked up for a second series. It, it was pretty good, but it suffers from what um, <laughs> what our friend Matt on. Thirty-something digital often complains about when it comes to fantasy novels set in uh, in you know different media, TV, film. It's that it's always always ends up being pretty white people with powers, um, and they <laughs> tend to overlook the the, the better <laughs> devices and and, and themes in, in the source material to market it to a, a mass market.
0: Right. So. Right. Is there going to be anything particularly different about the way a geek talks about a book as opposed to just a reader or even an avid reader or whatever things that have been pointed out have just uh, been how obsessive we can be and how detail oriented and, and the example that I can give from just now is going off on just referencing a billion other properties and, you know, you can just go off on complete tangents of reference. So is does that stay true when you talk about books? And is there anything uh, particularly different um, about a geek talking about a book than kind of anybody else?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, yeah, I think that that's accurate. Like, if yeah, if you're a geek, you're gonna you're gonna go full bore regardless of what medium you're talking about. Uh, but that's why I really like geek books because, like, you know, I'll uh, talk to someone who. Um, has read something off of Oprah's recommended reading and the most that they usually have to say about it is like, oh yeah, I liked it, or I thought this part was cool, or, if, if and I, you know, I'm overgeneralizing or whatever, but when you talk, and that's about all you get, but for like a, a book lover, I love talking to geeks because they will be so excited about it, like it's like talking about a ch- their child, they're like, oh yeah, I love this, and you know, because of this, this, and this, they'll dissect it endlessly and just like put any, you know, high school literature class to shame over, you know, just the, the detail and the depth and the passion that they go into about it. So yeah, I, I get to where I, I like reading geek books because I know I can find virtual or real people who I can talk to about it, uh, to, you know, my English literature major's heart content. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man, that's a good question. Um, so like I'm, I've always claimed my like nerdiness, dorkiness, geekiness like that's who I am. But I find that it's the pr- it it really comes down to the author and like the 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 the, the property that they create that inspires whether I'm going to be a total like geek about it or not. Um, mm-hmm. You know I'm, I'm reading a, a book right now that I picked up. Um, I've enjoyed it. It's actually horror. Jess, you'd be very happy. It's called Eye oh, nice. Ripper. It's really disturbing, um, <laughs> and it's good. But it's not going to be one of those books that I'm going to you know call up friends or get into some sort of group chat and be like, Hey, you have to read this book because it's just not inspiring that kind of, I guess, obsessive kind of nature that that I know I have the potential for. Mm -hmm. But then I pick up a a series like, um, like the the Dresden files and it just mind blown. Love it. Want everybody I know to appreciate it as much as I do. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that really just depends on the author and their ability to connect with me in any given story.
0: Just talking about what geeks would talk about, uh, something that's been mentioned is storytelling, um, specifically talking about plot or characters um, in a way that an author or a storyteller would, would talk about them. Um, and Jason, I know you've been helping uh, Matt and Tony a little on 30-something Digital, so you've been, you've, you've been helping out with some media and everything and their storytelling, I would imagine.
2: Um, you give me more credit than i deserve usually i just stand on the side and laugh when they make a mistake so
0: <laughs> occasionally so that's what they call creative consultant i see occasionally I see. i'll
2: uh, i'll edit some of the you know some text or, or dialogue that they want to have or give them a suggestion here or there but i uh i enjoy sitting back and watching them create more than i more than i like getting too far involved
0: well sure but as far as as geeks are concerned and as a as my representative for the reader category in this, uh, particularly, you know, when you talk about uh, stories and everything, geeky books to other geeks, do you get into story? Is that something that, you know, you're not just like, like Jen said, you're not just saying, well, I kind of liked this part or that part, but you're actually talking about the storytelling and how it unfolds.
2: I try to be really careful. Um giving away plot points especially because i can sure. you know if, if if you and i are offline and talking about dresden yeah we can go crazy yeah. but when i was trying to introduce um especially a couple of my best friends to it i gave some high points about you know just the quality of the writing um the the ease of the read um i think that hark- harkens back to my earlier point about how you know real the real epic like high fantasy epics can be really daunting for people to get into it's it's a when, especially when you, re- you you find that most people don't read for pleasure anymore. I'm always insanely disappointed by the number of my friends who haven't picked up a book since high school or college and, and just, just mm. don't read. And I, I, I don't understand why someone would give up that, that kind of a, a creative outlet. For somebody like me who's not a creative in any sort of artistic medium – other than maybe mm-hmm. maybe music, that ability to, to imagine and create in your mind is so like critical, just to, like your everyday health mm-hmm. and, and your mental health and state. So I try to encourage um, encourage friends of mine to pick up properties that I love, um, and specifically I focus on other you know geeks who I know will appreciate them as much <laughs> as I will, and then that gives you an ability to really engage with somebody on a really human level that it, that isn't. Always through a, a phone or an email, um, being able to sit down with a cup of coffee and and really chew over um, something that you're both enjoying and being able to share that, I think I think that fundamentally for me is why I like geek culture and geek literature so much. Is is you get a real interpersonal connection. Um, and to and to tie that all back around to to your question, I want to leave a lot of the surprise left for them. Like, and I find that especially over the years. The friendships that i've established will then they'll they'll trust my word for it better than if it's just like some stranger saying, "Hey, read this book it's really good um, <laughs> having an established relationship with 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 friends and family and and other colleagues they'll usually tend to take a recommendation more seriously if they know that I know them and then can tie in or tap into a vein that they 'll appreciate
0: so do you think they appreciate a, a certain level of writing or, or you know does it does it go anywhere from just sort of I, for whatever reason, the term bubblegum is coming to mind i don't know I pop maybe because bubblegum so I like bubblegum music <laughs> kind of thing but is is there a real appreciation for stuff that is is just sort of like the technical low, aspects low the... yeah, yeah, like the I mean the writing itself
2: um I've had a couple like tony um my friend Tony Matt both of thirty something digital um some other friends, uh especially as we've been working through the Dresden series that we're all working through right now. Um, Mm -hmm. I've had several of them come back and say, oh, well, you know, you can see the writing improve and progress overall. And, and that, because, uh, even one of them who shall remain unnamed uh, (coughs) Matt complained (laughs) about the, wasn't exactly thrilled with the level of the writing in the first novel. And Mm -hmm. I said, you know, stick with it, go one more, go two more. Um, and you'll see a definitive improvement that becomes more engaging. And, and he, he, uh, tends to be technical minded. So he focused on the technical aspects first. So I had to kind of push him through and say okay now now is where i have to bank on a little bit of the of the capital that we have as friends like trust me pull through this come yeah. through this and so yeah. for him that was the way to hook it for for another friend i'll describe a character that i know they'll fall in love with and say hey um, for this you're going to love this character they're so funny and they're well written and they're well executed you know you really want to check out this story for them it just kind of depends on the audience that i think you're you're catering mm-hmm. to um but i mean and sometimes it, yeah, the the lower brow, the better, (laughs) you know?
0: (laughs) Jen, as an author, um, walking into conversations with geeks and everything, um, what kind of tendencies do you find? What, what kind of things, uh, storytelling wise, or, you know, what, what are they talking about that, that especially interests you as an author and someone who's trying to write for that audience?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think Jason's right in, in that like different people are going to be are going to appreciate different things. I mean, I think geeks tend to be fairly well read, and I think the more well read you are, the higher quality of writing you expect. Just because you are more sophisticated, everywhere from like spotting grammar to to story structure and everything. But I mm. think that um, one thing that we haven't uh, brought up that I've been thinking about is uh, I think a lot a common thread that I see a lot in fantasy readers, which is the genre I read and write in. Um, is that people are looking for that escapism and that's that's Mm -hmm. a lot what we talked about with like wanting to be drawn into the world and and wanting to feel like we're somewhere else I think that's the appeal of a lot of fantasy sci-fi books and so to me like it's it's about how well can you author help me escape and for some people it's going to be if there's a grammar error I'm completely out of the world I'm done Mm -hmm. I can't do it and for other people it's like oh well I I want to know more about the world, and I don't like the world building, so I'm I'm out of the world. Or like I don't have any characters I can relate to, and so mm. it's 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 all of the it's all of those things that just you're wanting to build toward give give people that escapism experience. That's often what I hear readers talking about is just wanting that like feeling like they're a part of something really big. Um, And then being able to go back and talk to other people about about that when Mm. ordinary life can be boring (laughs) sometimes. Right.
0: With people who just read a lot of books, again, versus kind of a geek reading books, do you think that community aspect, to both of you, do you think that community aspect is something more unique to geeks i know there are book clubs you know a lot of people have book clubs but do you think that community aspect is something that could really be pointed at in the geek community and said yeah that's that's geeky
2: i think so i think that i think that geek has really changed um, the the definition of a geek has changed even in the course of like our lifetimes you know i remember being a kid and and geek was a bad thing Mm -hmm. you didn't want to be a geek um and i think maybe that that's I think, as we've owned it more, I think that's why you see such a, why you see such a passion in the geek community, and also I think maybe why you see the the trope of the underdog rising out, you know people who were geeks tended to be the ones that didn't that didn't mm-hmm. fit some way somehow, and so when you pick up that first sci fi fantasy geek novel um and you see you or an aspect of you on the pages that 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 creates a real emotional tie to that author, that series, that world, some in some fashion. And then when you meet other people who, you know, when you're walking through the library and you see somebody else pick up that book, there's that instantaneous, oh, are they going to be one of me? Are, is, are they mm. somebody that I can relate to and identify with? And I think that that's part of what inspires such a fanaticism in the culture. And I use the term fanaticism in a good way. I think that that's where you get that passion and that energy and that drive. And then that creates those communal bonds. Um, I, I, that I, I think it's, I think it's probably the single best part about, any sort of literature that inspires that kind of geekiness or fandom is that you you create a community, and for especially for young people who are trying to so desperately to find a community when you've had that mm-hmm. sense of belonging, that's huge. And I think that that sticks with you. And I think those of us who grow up to be nerds and geeks and continue to to just revel in this for the rest of our lives are. Um, we're staying with our people. We found our tribe, and yeah. and and it's, and it's one of the few tribes that I think is transcendent, regardless of any other factor that, that any other any other part of your life that you use to define yourself with. I think that one thing is transcendent of, of, of race, culture, religion, sexuality, any of that. And I think that's yeah. what makes it such a fascinating and, and powerful uh, part of people's lives.
1: Yeah, I would totally agree with that because I think that the the thing with, um, with these. Uh, you know, with these genres that it they inspire this amazing and beautiful kind of vulnerability in, in people sometimes. And that's what I love about the geek world at large. And then with literature, especially because like I think of Harry Potter in particular, like there's so many different characters you can grab onto in Harry Potter. Um, and like Jason was saying, it's like the underdog, like you're you're finding the underdog and you're able to relate. And so I've just found people are able to talk about like, oh, I love Neville Longbottom. And, they're, and then you re- like, or Luna Lovegood or something, and they start to talk passionately about these characters. And then you find out that they're talking about themselves, but they feel yeah. safer talking about these characters. And so there's this wonderful like human on human connection that you get via the route of of these geek properties and uh you you connect with people in this really really cool way that I don't think you see out in the world often And I just love I just I just think it's such a beautiful thing and I love to be a part of that
0: when I'm able to you guys are so romantic about about books I like (laughs) this I haven't had this kind of conversation TV got a little touchy-feely but but you know you don't really have these conversations that's great it's fantastic Brent mentioned on the movie episode uh, that just talking about geek community that we literally wear it on our sleeves. You go to a con and you he he made I mean he was he was emphatic. He said I I think honestly um, you know people cosplay people wear uh, their fandoms on their t-shirts and whatever mm-hmm. just so you can spot someone across the room and strike up that conversation just so you know <laughs> so you can spot each other you know um, and what's interesting is books aren't necessarily like that. You, you go into some bookstores now and they actually do have shirts of classics. Um, and they're starting to get into that merchandising a little bit more, but what would you guys say, uh, as far as striking that connection? I mean, Jason, you already mentioned spotting someone in a bookstore, which I love. I, I think that's been one of the main ways I've, I've done that or going up and asking for a book. Uh, I had a great conversation about, um, the magic kingdom for sale sold Landover series. Um, because I went up and asked for that book she was like, "Oh, I love that book. I tell every kid who comes <laughs> through there to pick that up and everything else. but what are some other ways because we don't have t shirts we don't I mean I guess you could you could cosplay some some of the characters, but those don't immediately come to mind because you have to kind of make up those costumes they 're not something that you see in a movie or on TV um, so how do you how do you connect with other you know book geeks how do you <laughs> What what's a good way to to find you know your your people?
1: Yeah, I mean you either you either find them or make them. <laughs>
0: <You> <laughs> that's a l- that's a good motto: find them <laughs> or make them.
1: Yeah, I mean I I mean you already mentioned you know having like a something of a book club reading the Dresden Files so you can you know browbeat your friends or or uh, or just uh, enthusiastically agree with your friends to read uh, you know a certain book. Just regular old book club or then uh, alternatively the internet, you know, obviously opens up Mm. a whole huge, um, you know, you could do virtual or they're even, you know, meet up. I don't remember the websites, you know, but like places where people like don't haven't met in person. But, you know, they say, hey, we're starting this book club at, you know, meeting at the library here and you can meet. Mm people yeah. in person as long as that doesn't frighten you and <laughs> make new yeah. friends that way.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, um, badgering your friends to within an inch of their life is the best way to do it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, even like going, um, going to my first, cons this year um Mm. one of one of my all-time favorite series that's a it's a bit of an older series is uh the pern series the dragon riders of pern Mm -hmm. and dragon con actually has a big pern meetup and discussion around various topics Mm. associated with the with the pern series and um i I, th- you know, I, I, my biggest regret is I didn't go this last year. You can bet I'll be going this next year. Um, but I think that'll be amazing. Like, because I, growing up, I, I was the only person I knew who read those books. I think when I checked them out from the library back in the day, when you actually did book checkouts and had the little name cards and you could see who had it, the last person to read it was like 20 years prior to me. Um, so to know that there's actually a thriving community out there that's still interested in these novels and these books, um, w- was, was, awesome and and so i i want to take advantage of that but i think unfortunately unlike a really visual medium like cosplaying a movie or or a a tv show or something like that you have to there's a little bit more energy that you have to invest to actually seek out seek out your community or or find find others on the flip side of that though if you cosplay (laughs) a. a, a, uh Character from a novel, and somebody spots it, you know that's a good person. Like they see your vision, <laughs> they share it, and you know that's somebody you want to talk to. So yeah. that's, I mean, yeah. that that kind of instantaneous connection or spark, I think, is a lot more powerful when, especially where it's uh, involving um, a, a, a literature.
0: You guys have already kind of gotten into this by talking about storytelling and character, but. If there are people who don't read at all, um, or are just they're avid readers, but they haven't gotten into sci-fi fantasy, it's just kind of not their thing, they're more into drama or mystery, you know, or something like that. I hear that a lot. What would you guys tell those people? Um, Jason, you mentioned talking about characters that they might identify with or whatever, but especially for people who don't read at all, you know, what you said you want to encourage them to do so, but... But what on earth do you say to get them to pick up a book um, and read? And and to a reader, what do you what do you say to them to say, no, but really this material totally just as valid, not for kids, not for weirdos, not for, you know, whatever you think. What do you guys what do you guys say to them?
1: I think just pointing out, uh, you know, f- finding what they're interested in and in showing them that it's it exists in in the fantasy world. Because we talk about genre very rigidly, but it doesn't usually exist very rigidly. So, you know, we say fantasy, but you know, it's you're it's you're hard pressed to find a, a straight fantasy novel. Like you're gonna find uh fantasy and military tied together fantasy and romance tied together so if someone's already a reader and they like romance or mystery or thriller you're gonna find elements of those things in quote-unquote geekier genres Mm -hmm. so i mean i find that that's an easy recommendation to make um you know just taking what they love and just saying like hey like you're you're in this too and then people who don't read, I mean, there's just not a whole lot you can do to <laughs> make people spend hours reading a book. But I think the same thing, like uh, what I hear a lot from people who don't want to delve into fantasy is like, oh, my gosh, there are way too many characters. I will never, ever be able to keep up. Mm, um, a daunting epic that Jason was mentioning. Yeah, yeah. But I think like finding like for me, like I love young adult fantasy and those are typically easier to swallow than, you know. Uh, George R. R. Martin <laughs> or something like that. Um, so start or Tolkien, yeah, yeah. So starting them out on something that's especially a lot more like character driven, like something that they can like immediately. Not to plug my own books, uh, but I'm going to, but like oh, please, my please do. <laughs> um, my my books are first person fantasy, which is fairly odd. Um, usually fantasy is third person because you need to see what's going on in the entire world. But I was. An idiot and decided to go with first person, but I I found that first person. That's a good choice. I like that. (laughs) I do, but I've just found that there are so many sweet people who read my books who like do not read books, but they read my book because they love me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they found that they enjoyed it more than they thought they would. A fantasy book because it was first person because they were like, okay, Mm -hmm. I can hang in with this narrator and and go along with his journey or her journey you know, and I can track and I can kind of dip my toe into, uh, into the fantasy world. So yeah, my overall summary answer is just to find something that they like, or they can connect to already and, Mm -hmm. and pointing them in the direction of, of, a, a series or an author who kind of taps into that energy that they already have going.
2: Yeah, I honestly completely agree. I think, I think knowing the person that you're trying to recommend to is important. Um, And I think especially if you're somebody who's an avid bibliophile, having something in your catalog that you can pull out and say, you know, this isn't what you're expecting and I think you'll enjoy this. um, I I think it's important to find literature that they are reflected in. Everybody wants to see themselves and Mm -hmm. if if you know know thyself, if you know who you are – and you want to see yourself or, or an aspect of yourself reflected in literature, find someone who really does know how to re- – who, who who reads all the time and they will probably be able to point you in the right direction or even go look yourself. But I, I think one of my favorite series that's a good introduction for people who are – who are possibly turned off or, or maybe a, a, quote, closet geek and don't want anyone to know. Um, you know, the, the Iron Druid Chronicles um, by Kevin Hearn is one of my favorite series. And it's, it's, it's definitely fantasy, but it is so well-written. It's an easy read. It's fast-paced. It is funny. One of my all-time favorite characters in literature is in that series. And his name is Oberon, and he's an Irish wolfhound. And I've gotten people to read those books just by picking out a passage of text that's a conversation between between Oberon and and Atticus and saying this is common throughout this thread of books. Like this is like (laughs) laugh out loud moments in stories. And I think that usually when they find something like that, where it's like, oh, this isn't so threatening, this isn't so daunting. I can connect with this. or this is enjoyable. And then before you know it, you're in a series that are, you know, that has nine books or that has Mm -hmm. 22 books or something like a property. And then you'll be amazed at, at, you know, okay. Yeah. Now when you really think about it, yeah, there may be 65 characters that you know, but they've been slowly introduced to you over time and incorporated into your world. Um right. I think you I think you cannot go into fantasy, science fiction, any genre, horror, crime with a preconceived notion of what it is and knowing that you're going to dislike it. I think I think um I have a general theory that most people don't have foods they dislike, they've just had food that has been prepared well for them. I think <laughs> that that applies to to this in a lot of ways is that you, you you, it's not that you necessarily dislike any particular genre. Maybe you just didn't pick up the best example for you of that genre. So maybe right. maybe dip your toe in again or take that second bite of Brussels sprouts and see if you really may end up liking it.
1: Just make sure they're roasted.
0: I've heard that's the best way. That is the best way.
1: <laughs> I think it's a lot easier to take a reader and push them toward fantasy than it is to get someone who does not read to read. <laughs> um, I honestly like – The most effective thing I've seen is if a movie comes out and Mm. I, you know, like I, I remember distinctly seeing the first Harry Potter movie and I had read, I mean, I think only the first three books were out at that point and I had read them all multiple times by the time the movie came out and I had been begging my friends and family to read these books and then we came out of the first movie and they were like what happens next what? oh my gosh what's the second book about now and, and I was like no I'm not telling you you have to read the book there's no way I've been <laughs> telling you that you need to know this and so unfortunately I just think that that's or I don't know if it's unfortunate or not. I just think our culture—we're uh, just more uh, visual and au- audio oriented these days, and yeah. so I think that uh, a lot of times that's going to be the the gateway to use your the title of the podcast. It's going to be the gateway to books, is to get them. Uh, you know, either this the series itself comes out in movie form or. Uh, or you know they come to an the end of a movie series, a video game, or whatever, and you say, "Well, you know, if you like something like that, then you might like this book." Mm. So
2: you you guys raise a good point, um, but I, I don't know when reading became a solo activity. I know mm. for I know for me, it's a way for me to recharge and to kind of unplug from the world from time to time, but like remember how much fun it was when you could just sit with somebody and they'd read to you and, or Mm -hmm. I remember sitting like, I remember my favorite part of elementary school was when we would sit down and our teacher would read to the class. And even mm -hmm. at that age, when we're supposed to be like these obnoxious off the wall brats, we (laughs) would stop whatever we were doing to just lay down and listen to her, read us a story, you know, and and as somebody who loves literature, I'm kind of kicking myself right now thinking about like, we share movies as a communal experience, We get together with a group of friends and we go and sit in a dark theater and we watch the movie and then we talk about it. There really isn't anything stopping us other than you know we might be made fun of, but hey, we're geeks. What the hell do we care?
0: (laughs) Uh, Sitting down with friends,
2: especially friends who don't have the patience to be able to read or or can't read well. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. there's far too many people who can't you know i'm thinking instead of maybe brawling them you know sit down let's read a couple of chapters or let's do this quality time together as as a group of people who care about each other once a week or once every two weeks and let's get through this story together and then we can share and talk about it um that
1: yeah that's, that's a really a fantastic point cuz i i have a a couple friend who that's what they do every night before they go to bed. They read chapters of books to one another. That's so stinking cool.
2: Hashtag my relationship My husband goals. and I have
1: tried to implement that, but <laughs> it's just we're not self disciplined enough. But yeah, that's that's great because especially like I think of like extra you know if we want to go into like introvert extroverts. I uh, you know my husband's more extroverted. Um, And like Jason said, like, I'm, I'm introverted. So reading is like a recharge kind of thing, because it's like a a solo thing. But my husband engages more when we read out loud together. And so yeah, and I think we really have lost that art of, um, of reading out loud and reading, even reading dramatically can it Mm -hmm. really is a lost art that we don't practice anymore, that, you know, used to be forced by necessity, because books were expensive. And so you had one copy and you read out loud and everything, but that's a good point. I think we should, I think we should here and now, whatever the date is, June 29th, say that we're going to reintroduce the (laughs) oral reading (laughs) culture. Absolutely. Well, and I'm noticing
2: it, it's especially, and something I've been thinking about a lot as I'm watching like my nephew and then, you know, the, the adopted nieces and nephews that we all share as they engage more in iPods and, 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 and phones and TV and movies like, I look at these children who at that age I was being encouraged to read who are now just heavily involved in this highly stimulating um, um, media. And then those are the same children that in a year, two years, five minutes, I'm bored. I'm bored. (laughs) There's nothing to do. I'm bored. You have the wealth of the world at your fingertips and also the infinite ability of your imagination to create you should never be bored um, so why you know I, I we should really work hard um, and unfortunately I think it falls on those of us who continue this love into adulthood to really instill a desire to read in people and to encourage that as 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 both a a medium for as a meditative state or a, an ability to be expressive or a, a, a way to reconnect with 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 people that we love and care about I just it it yeah. it sometimes really breaks my heart to see the like complete lack of interest that that the majority of my adult friends have in any kind of literature, regardless. You know, I would prefer it would be geeky literature, so I would get into it, but
0: sure. any kind of
2: literature, period.
0: The the thing that's unique about this whole suggestion of of reading aloud and everything is, you know, Jason, you pointed out that that happened early, and I yeah, I have very fond memories of. Um, Stuart Little and Charlotte's Web and all of, like, those are the things that were read to me. And that's, I mean, it's classic children's literature, like rich literature. And, um, you know, I, I think, I, I I try to think of avid readers who, again, are, are they're interested in other genres, whatever, whatever the case may be, that that for whatever reason, they're not considered geeks. and uh, And I don't know, I mean, aside from the occasional book club, which... I I hear more often being like on a social list to-do list, like where they're just checking off, you know, oh, I'm in that book club. You know, I I think the great thing about the suggestion of of reading aloud and everything is that if there's anyone that could spark that kind of movement, it would be the geek community because we do love the communal aspects and we are dramatic and we love what we love, like to bring that love uh, aloud in reading and to be able to share that uh, with, with people, like you said, Jason, who don't read well, don't, like to read for whatever reason. Nick, he's, he doesn't like to because he's, he's a, more of a kinetic tactile person. So he, he literally has to go through this conversion process in his head every time he reads a book to get it into a visual, to go from visual, well, to go from words to visual to too kinetic to see the movement that people are, are going through but he can kind of skip a step if he hears it for whatever reason so so yeah we started reading the once and future king which he would never read on his own and he's like every time we go to a bookstore and he sees it because inevitably we see it at a bookstore and he says oh, we've got to finish that we've got to finish that we've got to sit down and we've got to finish that we almost made it through the hobbit together <laughs> it's just you know trying to find the time To sit and read and not fall asleep, just listening to something, like to stay engaged. And I think that comes with the dramatic reading, uh, Jen, like you were mentioning. So um, I would love to see this movement started. I think this is a fantastic idea. It's the the most revolutionary idea that's been mentioned on Gateway Geek. I love it. (laughs) I love it. You guys, you've, you've, you know, mentioned a few things that you like and this will this will go a little quicker because unfortunately we're only working with two people tonight e- each of you give me three books or series whatever that you absolutely love it's not necessarily for you know new readers or readers you're trying to convert or or whatever for our audience it's not necessarily for our audience in particular but it's stuff that you guys are super passionate about and that you love and um and and then tell me why you know why you're so interested in it Jason, you go first. Ah, uh, um, nearly <laughs> yeah. um, We've mentioned
2: it a lot. I don't think it comes as any shock, but um, I don't think I can pick one favorite out of the Dresden Files. Sure, I just I found I ran into them. Um, oh gosh, probably probably six or seven years ago, and I've read the complete series through three times to date. I'm getting ready to start my fourth time. I love it, but no, I just I got engrossed with it. It's it's a it's it's this it's this crime fan or it's this crime noir. Um, it's fantasy, it's, it's supernatural. It's, it's just all of these things and it's very well written. Um, it's, um, I also like the complexity. He, he comes off as such a simplistic writer in his style. It's, it's mm-hmm. just very engaging. Um, but as you go along in the series, things that you overlooked or that you didn't register at the time in book three as important in book ten become like a critical detail. Um, and, and then you're just racking your brain going – Wait, what else did I miss? It just makes you think and it, and it, and it's just it's a really um and he's a really he creates flawed characters that that are reflective of 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 all of us of the, the both the better angels of our nature and also the demons that we wrestle with and I think it's just a fascinating read. It's 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 fun and it starts as fun but it translates into this really like complex series that wrestles with mm-hmm. some pretty big themes. And that's I just find it fascinating. Yeah, he's the only wizard for hire listed in the yellow pages. That's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Jen, what's one of your favorites?
1: I mean, this is this is an easy one, but I, I can't I can't be said enough. Harry Potter is like my all time favorite books ever. <laughs> ever ever, I'm rereading it for more than the dozenth time right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you said
0: you like to go back to your favorites quite quite frequently. Yeah,
1: unfortunately, I feel like I'm not I'm not broad. I'm more deep on, uh, and what I mean by that is I reread stuff a lot instead of venturing out to new things. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, Harry Potter is just fantastic. I mean, because you get the you get the hero's journey and you get fantastic characters, really really funny writing just like there's just like a, a a little bit of humor in in every sentence that you can almost miss sometimes mm-hmm. uh and sort of that
0: bright that dry british wink wink, wink yeah nudge nudge you know? yeah
1: i'm just like picturing her <laughs> grinning while she's like <laughs> while she's <laughs> writing because i know i am while i'm reading so I uh, yeah i mean i actually I uh, don't like weirdly don't like magic very much mm-hmm. um I'm a very odd fantasy reader because I don't like magic and I don't like dragons. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's impossible to find (laughs) fantasy without dragons.
0: Um, (laughs) The look on Jason's face is priceless, audience. You can't, obviously you can't see it, but it's Um, priceless. He's in (laughs) shock.
1: But Harry Potter does it well. um, And I think that it relates to what you say with with the Dresden files. Uh, It it anchors magic in reality. Like, I want my fantasy. Mm. I don't want the magic or the gods or whatever to be mysterious. I want, like, I love the magic in Harry Potter because they practice at it and Mm. they can fail at it and turn their head into a pumpkin or what have you. And, (laughs) you know, and it's just such, I don't know, it just, like, hits... It hits it hits all the right notes for me, in spite of the magic and the occasional dragons. Right,
0: (laughs) Jason. Do you have anything particular to add about dragons? I mean,
2: I have four tattooed on my body, so
1: just a little.
0: (laughs) I think I knew that. That's hilarious. Clutching my pearls
2: at the moment.
1: (laughs) Okay, look, no, dragons are cool. I'm going to defend myself here. I think dragons are. Keep digging. I think dragons are as cool as the next person, but if I have to read another book about a, a young man who has a telekinetic connection with his female dragon, I, I'll, I'll just, I, I will throw the book away if I, find, if I come across another one like that.
0: <laughs> so we won't so. be talking about Aragon today,
1: which is one that Nick mentioned.
0: <laughs> oh, that's funny.
1: Yeah, so that's that's my number one. Okay, all right,
0: uh, Jason. What's another one of your favorite? Is it is it the Dragon Riders of Pern? Perhaps. Um,
2: well, actually, <laughs> jumped the gun on me there, but yeah, I will say the Dragon Riders of Pern. Um, that was going to be my third one. Um, <laughs> okay. And to give a little side note for Aragon, um, to its credit, he was fifteen when he started it. That's pretty impressive. Um, I think that's the, why Nick likes it. Yeah. I mean Is, the the movie yeah. was horrid, horrid but the uh, the uh the book the last book especially was my favorite of the series. Uh, but no the Dragon Riders of Pern to be very honest it's a, it's a very rich world um they they are telepathically bonded but it becomes more like <laughs> it becomes more complex. Um and I'll be honest with you as um the Dragon Riders of Pern was the first fantasy novel where I saw somebody like me portrayed. Um, and that, and it wasn't until later on in the series, but when it occurred, it got very rich and in depth and, and that, I think that's partly why I fell in love with the world so much, especially as a, Mm. as a, um, as a young, uh, as a, I mean, I'm just going to go here as a young gay man, um, dealing with, with fantasy and science fiction literature and not ever once seeing myself portrayed in it, um, reading that series. And I fell in love with the series because of the dragons, but reading, (laughs) reading that series and then starting to cross characters who were like me and who were unapologetically like me and, and, and Mm -hmm. displayed as such like that was groundbreaking for me. And, um, And to see myself validated on a page like that was huge, and I I fell in love with that series. And uh, you know, I've I've reread the series, all the books in the series, um, a couple times now. And um, you know, some of it's a hefty
0: series. I was looking at that. It is.
2: I I love it. And um, it some of it doesn't hold up as well now that I'm an adult as it did when I was you know 13, 14. Some of it holds up fantastically Mm -hmm. well. Um, Hmm. But that that's that for me is a very like. That's one of those rare examples of science fiction fantasy crossing into Mm -hmm. each other's realms heavily. um, As as an actual as as somebody who's a a, a employed and working scientist is in in his adult life. I really loved the science behind it. Some of it's true. Some of it's not. It's, you know, give or take. <laughs> but that science merging with that fantasy was was just great. Like I got the best of both worlds that I love, spaceships and dragons. <laughs> so it was pretty right awesome. Um, but it, it, and it's, it's a series that grew with me as I grew up. Um, starting with the – if you follow, if you read it the way it's recommended and I started at a young age – Um, those books are age appropriate. And then as I became older and they started doing some of the later releases, the themes, much like Harry Potter, actually, as it gets Mm -hmm. more mature as the books go, these books also got more mature and got into more civic responsibility and, and, um, dealing with really complex questions of societies and what happens when you have a despot or, or a dictator emerge and how does a society, a responsible society respond to that? Like it just became a really complex and intricate series that, that, um, that I, I, I honestly highly recommend to this day.
1: Awesome.
0: All right, Jen, number two.
1: It's really hard for me to pick favorites, but I think, uh- <laughs> Redwall is one that's uh that's stuck with me for a while. At least it's it's survived a couple of book purges <laughs> in my house. So that must mean that it means something to me. I it's well Redwall if you're not familiar with it it's like a kind of a medievalish world but uh it's uh all the characters are rodents <laughs> of various sorts like um mice and otters and hares and uh it's been it's been years since I've read any of them, but uh, Badgers and all kinds of stuff. But it's it's a really interesting little world, um, and the uh, each book in the series usually follows a, a different protagonist. And um, it's by Brian Jacques, and he um, he just creates very relatable heroes. Uh, I I tend to not like the the wide expansive fantasy. I like the more like zeroed in on the on one main mm-hmm. character, and so. Uh, Redwall lends itself to that. And then uh similarly there's the there's just a little bit of humor in uh throughout the books just because they're animals uh and <laughs> they talk and they walk upright and so instead of um there's just little stuff like instead of uh walking they're you know they'll they pad along and like instead of like fingers they talk about the claws and so So just a little like references and you know talk about what their tails are doing every once in a while so there's just like a little (laughs) bit of humor in it um but and yeah it's i and it's i don't know it's just it's just kind of it's a fun series and it's uh and i also like that type of series like it's not one gigantic overarching story that sounds exhausting to jump into like you can jump anywhere you want to in the series and pick it kind kind of similar to dragon riders of pern like Um, you Hmm. can jump in at any point and they'll reference back and forth to each other, but you don't, it doesn't require a ton of you as a, as a new reader coming into the series. So uh, that's
0: another one I really like. That sounds like another one I'm going to have to check out. There's a lot of books I'm going to be reading here soon. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Jason, what's your third one?
2: Um, My third one is a little bit more like high fantasy, but it's also for me. um, I, I very much favor expansive world building and I like getting sucked into, to the, just the creation of it all and, and the depth that's available. Uh, this one's a little bit different for me, but it's the King killer Chronicle by, uh, Patrick Rothfuss. Um, currently there's only two of the three books out and then there's three novellas, but this is, this has been a nice twist for me, um, away Mm -hmm. from kind of the, 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 I guess as, as you would call it just the pop, (laughs) the bubblegum pop, like (laughs) (laughs) sci-fi fantasy. This is, this is darker and it's, um, it's, it's, um, I believe the word I heard for it was metafictional. There's, there's multiple stories yeah. within the stories. Um, there's, there's good depth and breadth of the character development. Um, it dabbles with the transition of the, of a character from the kind of young savior of everything to the, to the kind of anti-hero. But then part of its appeal to me though is there's a very large like section at university where magic is, is as a science and, Mm. and they, they're Mm. um, almost in a much more adult fashion than I think Harry Potter started. And that, that is kind of interesting to me, but it's, it's, it's tight writing. It's beautiful work. Um, it, but it would be, I would put it at a like five or six level for the experienced fantasy, Sci- science okay. fiction reader it wouldn't be
0: wouldn't be something that um a newbie should pick up right so. jason that was your third jen we still have your third
1: yeah so my third this is a more recent series i've been reading i don't know if it's going to stand the test of time but um it's the first series in a while that's really drawn me in um hardcore um that's the throne of glass series by sarah moss it's about a a young female assassin and uh, what drew me in was the first couple of pages she's in a prison and she's being brought before the prince and she spends the first couple of pages like every time someone new walks in the room she contemplates the, all the various ways she could kill them <laughs> and it was so endearing to me <laughs> in a really scary way that like I just <laughs> thought it was awesome <laughs> but but then, like the third or the first book, like became like a love triangle in the middle of it, and I was a little like, "What? What did I just Because I like, I like romance in there, but usually it's like a C story. That this became more of a B and yeah. an A story at some point. I was like, "What in the world?" But <laughs> thankfully, I continued with the second book, and I've really, really appreciated how she's unfolding the story because, like the the main character, uh, without uh, sharing spoilers, ends up being like. A very, you know, kind of the chosen one uh in in a lot of ways, like in the rightful, like ruler of this of this place, which, you know, is, you know, any fantasy reader will tell you it can become very cliched. But the way that she's unfolding it is pretty fantastic. And there's magic, too, uh, which you, I've already shared about. But again, she's unfolding it in like such a cool way that I'm like, OK, I'm hooked. I'm in it. I want to see what happened so that's that's these are the first books in a while that I have found myself like wanting to stay up late to read like you know you've Mm -hmm. hit a winner when you're willing to sacrifice sleep (laughs) to read a book so
0: some of those you know like you guys mentioned they they are new geek or new reader whatever appropriate but I'd like it, just one suggestion um, from each of you, as far as a good place for a new person to start a series that you would say this this is something that either whether you read or not, whatever whatever your your background is, this is a good place to start in something that's geek specific.
2: So for me, um, it has to be the Iron Druid Chronicles. It's urban fantasy. It's by Kevin Hearn. It's also set in a set in a um modern setting you're not dealing with any historical world, world building or any significant changes they are tight easy funny reads the character development is excellent the world building that's required is is there and it's necessary but it's not it's not heavy it's one of the few series i've encountered in a long time that i consistently find myself laughing out loud regardless of who's looking at me like I'm a crazy person. <laughs> like <laughs> they are funny and you um, – and they're heartwarming and they're emotional but it's it's just a, a really great series Um, I think for anybody to read but especially somebody who's just approaching any sort of science fiction or fantasy realm with any trepidation like <laughs> – you you're going to love it it there's you you just can't not it's 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 beautifully written um it just excellent excellent series it caught me off guard by how much i loved it and i there's uh currently there's currently 8 books out and i think he's planning to go to 9 and i picked up the first book um and read the first 7 in a week And like I was that hooked on it and then had to sit and wait patiently or not so patiently for the eighth book to come out. And now I'm just waiting for the the rest of it, but cannot recommend (laughs) it enough. Perfect. In my opinion, it's the perfect series to start with.
0: Yeah. Brief little rabbit trail based on something you were saying. Uh, Comedy aspect. Um, You guys have mentioned a number of times, you know, laughing at something or, you know, something just striking you as funny, whether it's funny, ha ha or funny. Interesting, You know, that's well, kind of funny. And, uh, you know, someone like Terry Pratchett comes to mind. Or, or it, do you think, going back to the question for a second about bringing new people in, do you think the people like Terry Pratchett, Any anybody that writes kind of a more comedy-oriented uh, fantasy sci-fi, do you think that's a really good in? I mean, you guys have mentioned comedy a couple times.
1: Yeah, I think it definitely could be. Like, whether it's a character who's just a smartass or... Uh, you know, like, you know, if you have a particularly sarcastic friend or whatever, and you like you see their humor in a character or in an author's style, then that could be a good, a good segue or, or just, you know, an author's overall, you know, you meant you mentioned with Harry Potter, like the British humor, like kind of the tongue in cheek mm. um, things. So, yeah, I mean, I, that could be yet another in for it. I don't, I don't know if I've ever recommended a book based on humor. Um, but it, never hurts <laughs> for
2: sure yeah well and reading is supposed to be an escape and it's supposed to be you know it's supposed to be enjoyable so from <laughs> from my from my point of view there's there's nothing wrong with a good laugh you know laughter is kind of it, it's it's yeah. universal in all media and i, I don't want to read you know i'm reading a really dark novel right now and i can promise you when i'm done with <laughs> it i'm gonna need a laugh and so i'll pick up something <laughs> that's gonna make me chuckle
0: but yeah just a to throw it out there again, I mentioned Terry Terry Pratchett, the Discworld series. I, I haven't read it, and I don't know anything about it. All I know is that it's very popular. <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> very much enjoy it, enjoy the humor of it. And another one that I can see being a good one-off that was uh, um, Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman uh, was is uh, Good Omens, which actually you know if you need that movie connection, uh, they're turning it to I, I believe it's a movie. I don't think it's a mini series. They're turning into some form of something visual and uh and it's and it's funny it's you know it, again it's relatable, it's interesting, but it's technically fantasy like you know it's it it's not real life, so <laughs> it's it's fantasy but I want to throw those out there too because I, I feel like especially Pratchett, there's so many people who mention Pratchett in the geek world uh and and mention Discworld uh, especially that I, I definitely want to throw that out there before i forget because I, I think that's something else worth exploring jen what is your one for for new people
1: yeah so speaking of big names in the fantasy world um mm. Br- brandon sanderson is a fantastic writer and he's he quickly shot up to like stephen king level like popularity and awe from like <laughs> things i've read about him and just listening to him but uh i actually haven't read a whole lot of his stuff yet but i did start reading um i'm actually in the middle of a series called the reckoners um and it's kind of young adult urban fantasy um but the the basic premise of that is that uh like there's been some like astronomical like uh, like literally like the stars have moved and it has given certain people on earth superpowers Mm -hmm. but they use their superpowers for evil and so the reckoners are the kind of the resistance force. And so I, I there there are a few things about this series that I think would recommend itself to, to new fantasy readers. Like one, um, similar to what Jason said with the Iron Druid Chronicles, it's like it's set in uh in the US so there it, it's uh, you know, in our world so there's like low um you don't need to memorize, you know, place names or, or new species mm-hmm. or uh, you know, f- figure out what dwarves and elves look like and all that junk. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I get tired of the Tolkien dwarves and elves too. Anyway, so um, <laughs>
0: there's so many other different versions, right?
1: I know. Um, but then, so there, so there's low there's a low entry point, and then superheroes are just super popular right now. Um, so you know, hmm. even I, you know, my mother-in-law, I accidentally went and saw um, Deadpool for which my father-in-law <laughs> is still paying. <laughs> oh, no. So, so it's, you know, it's it's modern-day world, it's superheroes, and then on top of that, Brandon Sanderson's writing is, like, you, you feel like you haven't even breathed. Like, he just sweeps you along, and mm. you're just like, how did I get to the end of a chapter? Like, it's so snappy. And so, like, so if you like thrillers or just something that keeps you super engaged um, sentence to sentence, like, he's got it. He's got it on the sentence level. He's got it on the chapter level. Like, I just can't say enough about him. So yeah. Okay. And I'm only halfway through book two. So I, this, I, think, the, I think there's only that's... three in that series. So that's also digestible. I've also heard people who are like, you know, they hear book sev- 17 of Dragon Riders of Pern mm. and they're like, nope, <laughs> not going there. So I think three is a lot more digestible. So that sure. would be my current recommendation.
0: Okay, so gotten a couple of awesome recommendations, talked about some amazing series. We'll wrap up a little bit here. And unfortunately, that means that Chrissy won't join us at all tonight, which makes me sad because I know she really wanted to join us. Uh, maybe I can include a few of Chrissy's favorites just on, on our website, on the uh, episode page. She can include her recommendations and um, and some uh, particularly, you know, your, the ultimate newbie recommendation is kind of what I've been labeling them. So, so maybe we can get some of hers as well on the website. But, um, but yeah, I mean, great conversation tonight. Again, coming up with a revolutionary concept, new movement <laughs> that we're totally going to put into effect. I'm going to hold you guys accountable to that. Um, we're, gonna, we're gonna we're gonna start, start reading a, in
1: the public square. <laughs> that's right,
0: Re- reading aloud groups. You know, some some great talk just about what makes things geeky. I mean, again, we kind of come back to, uh, the people, the people make it geeky. I mean, you can always come back to sci-fi fantasy genres because that's where, that's, that's where foundations lie. Uh, but, but so often I'm hearing the, the same answer, which is, it really comes back to the people. It really comes back to their passion. Um, it comes back to their passion for story and for the community around them. So thank you guys so much for joining tonight. And, uh, and talking about those things and, and sharing your passions because like I said there there were some great moments in there that I'm like romanticizing literature again I love this <laughs> you don't hear it very often and uh, and I I love to hear that again and I love that that the listeners are going to hear that again so um and and thank you for all your favorites there's a couple of great series in there that I mean like I've said before they're going to be listed on our website for sure um, set apart as you know y'all's recommendations so it'll be easy to find they're not going to be in that mass tagged paragraph that I have um they'll, they'll be easy to find and uh and I, I hope our readers our readers our listeners <laughs> check it out um so listeners they, who are
1: about to become readers that's <laughs> right that's
0: really that's what I meant that's what I meant and, and you can hear the the nefarious tone in both their voices because they're <laughs> very eager to convert you so um thank you again guys for joining thank you yeah thanks it was fun all right and uh we'll catch you with the next book series thanks for listening to another podcast of gateway geek you can find links to everything we mentioned yes everything on our website enter gatewaygeek.com and be sure to follow us on facebook and subscribe on itunes thanks for geeking out